Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need
time Solomon was talking to God and he made a very uh, sensitive statement he said God you loved my father David so much and extended your tender mercies to him and he walked before you now do you understand why oh do you understand the reason why we walk before God the revelation of his love when his love is revealed we walk before God he says you loved my father give me the message version he says and Solomon said you were extravagantly generous in love with David my father comma and he lived faithfully in your presence why did he live faithfully in the presence of God come on why did he live faithfully in the presence of God because he was extravagantly loved and the Bible says and his relations were just as his heart right and you have persisted in this great generous love by giving him and this very day a son to sit on his throne that's what happens when God loves you you abide in his presence hallelujah you don't abide in the presence of God to love you no he loves you enough to abide in his presence he's the one who draws us the Bible says they cannot come except he draw them the Bible says he has drawn you with his loving kindness every time you're reminded of the love of God you just draw closer to him hallelujah that is why we preach love that is why we preach grace because the revelation of God's grace draws men to God hallelujah the revelation of God's love draws men to God so when I'm singing that song I'm reminded of his love then I feel his presence God, clap for Jesus. You may be seated. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, God loves me. Mm. Add it. Just say, God loves me. Tonight, <laughs> let me just start preaching. You'll understand why I'm excited tonight. Praise God. I'm excited tonight. I'm excited tonight. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 17. Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 17. Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 17. If you're there, you say amen. Who is there? Are we there? The Bible says, They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laded, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. Did you hear that? He says, they which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laden, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a what? A weapon. Praise God. So God is giving a situation where guys were doing two things at a go. On one side, they were working with their hands and on the other side, they were holding weapons of war. Praise God. Praise God. You're working on one hand. And on the other hand, you have a weapon of war. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? There is a delusion that I want to correct in the body of Christ. Because I've heard so many times and it's loosely preached. And it's widely believed. 
to be true. You see, let's open Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 9. I want to show you something. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 9. I want to correct a common error that I've seen amid believers. Give me the amplified version of that. The Bible says, and furthermore, because the preacher was wise, somebody said the preacher was wise. He, Solomon, still taught the people knowledge. And the Bible says, and he pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. And the next verse says, the preacher, the Bible says, sought acceptable words, even to write down rightly words of truth or correct sentiment. That's what a wise preacher does. That's what a wise preacher does what? Does. The Bible says he writes down rightly the words of truth. Or correct sentiment. That's wisdom in ministry. You see, it's one thing to be gifted to be a preacher. It's one thing to be gifted to be a teacher. It's one thing to be gifted to be a prophet. It's one thing to be gifted to be a pastor or, or whatever the Lord has gifted you with. But God requires that there is a wisdom that you need to lay down what God has placed in the inside of your spirit. Because the Bible says wisdom is profitable for direction or to direct. Man can never have direction as they ought to have direction until wisdom is revealed. I have a healing anointing and that's acceptable. But I must apply it in the wisdom of the spirit. I'm a teacher of the word but I must apply it in the wisdom of the spirit. I pray but I must pray in the wisdom of the spirit. I preach, but I must preach in the wisdom of the Spirit. Everything requires the wisdom of the Spirit. That a man would rightly lay down the words of truth. See, you can have truth, but not lay it down rightly. You can have truth in your spirit, but not lay it down rightly. But not preach it rightly. Are you hearing me? But not minister rightly. But not preach rightly. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are many things that I've seen in the body of Christ. And they're now passed for wisdom, but they're not wisdom. They are human wisdom. They are reasonings of men coming into the church of Christ. And they come and are believed as the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are believed as the good news. And because many fall under these delusions, many are sickly, many are beggarly, many are lacking, many are disgruntled, many are disadvantaged. Many are frustrated, many are diseased, many are suffering. Why? Because they know not truth as it's supposed to rightly be arrayed in their spirits. That's the wisdom of a preacher. To lay or write down rightly the words of truth. I'll give you an example. You've heard of people who say, you can't serve two masters at a go. That is true. You cannot serve two masters at a go. You cannot serve God and mammon. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot serve God and mammon. That's the truth. But many people forget the things that a man can serve and the things that a man cannot serve but ought to serve the man. Oh, you didn't get me. Let me explain this. There are things that can match for serving. And there are things in any way that cannot be served but are supposed to serve. You can't serve food. You understand in the sense that it's your master. You, you get my point? When he was talking about serving two masters at a go, he gave two extremes in that context. He was talking about Jesus Christ, God, and mammon. You cannot serve mammon and what? God. You love the other, 
or you'll hate the other. You'll despise one or serve or hold the other. And that's a truth. That's a fact. But there is also something here that I need somebody to see. There are things that are freely given to us by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's why the Bible says that the Spirit of God is the guarantee of the things that were freely given unto us by the Holy Ghost. There are things that were freely given unto us. When the Bible says that you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. When the Bible says that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. There are things that were given to you and I because we received the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord Jesus. Somebody say, I have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Those things, whether you serve them or you don't, they were given. God is not talking about those things. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. In the Nehemiah scripture that I was reading for you in 417, you find a guy doing two things at a go. Huh? This guy is fighting with one arm, and on the other arm, he's what? Has a weapon. That means he's ready to both build, and he's ready to also what? Defend himself. And that portion of scripture is just a figure it's something that God is trying to draw in your spirit as a vision of understanding that it is possible by God to do many things at a go and still be successful at all of them. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot serve God and Satan. You understand? That's a fact and that's the truth. You can't serve God and mammon. That's the truth. But when you're in the service of God, you can do many things at a go. Did you get what I just said? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Now, some of you have a poverty mentality. I cannot buy a car, and yet I need some money for my education. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to save enough money, and then do my education, and then I buy a car. And that's okay. That's your level of faith. And there's a guy in the same gospel speaking tongues like you are and he buys both the car and he gets his education. What's wrong with you? Am I preaching to somebody? Somebody say I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You see, let me show you something mysterious about faith. You remember in 2 Corinthians 3, 5 where he says not that the sufficiencies of us as of to think of anything by us. We are, the Bible says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as of ourselves. Let me explain something. The Greek word there for sufficient means you have enough. God says it's not that you have enough as of to think of anything as of yourself. Maybe you don't have enough to do both. Maybe you don't have enough to handle three tasks at a go. Maybe you don't have enough money to buy a car, to build a house, to do your education. And then give even in the church. Maybe you don't have enough. And that we know very well. God said he didn't call you to have enough of those things. Because he's not relying on your sufficiency to provide. The Bible says the sufficiency is of God. Hallelujah. And the next verse says, which has made us able ministers 
of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth so away. So is the life which is of God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I have the life which is of God. And because you have the life which is of God, God does not rely on your pocket money to give you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Hello, somebody. God doesn't rely on your monthly pay. He doesn't rely on your annual bonus. He doesn't rely on the payments of insurance. God does not rely on your family lineage. God doesn't rely on your connections. He doesn't rely on your network. He doesn't rely on your merit. He doesn't rely on your education status. He relies on his sufficiency. Somebody say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's true you cannot serve two masters that are gold. But when you serve this master Christ, you can do all things. Tell your neighbor you can multitask in Christ. Come on, tell your neighbor you can multitask in Christ. One time I found a preacher a couple of years ago. And he said something that hit me so badly. He said, you know, we want to build a church. They wanted to build a building. But you see, the reason why we can't build a church is because we have an outstanding loan with the bank. So we need to first pay off that outstanding loan and then build a what? The building of the church. You understand what I'm saying? Have you seen pastors who say, one time a guy sells off his car because he loves God so much to build a what? A church building. Because the people in the church are not giving. And sometimes it's not really that the people are not giving. But maybe the said man of the house does not have enough faith to stay with the can't still build. I'm not saying we don't give. I'm a giver. Are you hearing me, child of God? We are what? Givers. If the Lord prompts you to give the car, that's okay. But don't give it in fear. Don't give it in ignorance. Don't give it because you have a lack of faith. That he cannot provide except you give that car. That is telling God that he's not enough for his own work. And that is so wrong, brother. You don't know the God you're talking about. The God you're talking about is the owner of gold and silver. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And that church, brother, is his. He says on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church. It doesn't mean that I cannot get my car and give it. I can get my car and give it. But because the spirit told me, not because he does not have enough. Come on, somebody. I can get my plot of land and give it in the church. We have given big things, but not in the knowledge that if we don't give those things, the ministry cannot go on. That is not the gospel. That is not the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus does not need my money to build his church. He does not need my car to build his church. With my car or without my car, he's still God. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Somebody say amen. amen. But I put with a funny mentality. A poverty mentality. An enslaved mentality. Your serving is not in revelation. Your serving is in fear. Your serving is in the revelation of lack. That's why the Bible says there is that which what? Scattereth and tendeth to what? To increase. And there is that which holdeth back. And the Bible says but it tendeth to what? 
to more poverty. There are people who give, but they continue to increase. And there are people who hold back and they become broke every day. Why? Because their mentality, they are poor in the spirit. And they've extended their poverty to the kingdom. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, I'm not of my sufficiency. I'm of the sufficiency of God. Tell somebody I'm of the sufficiency of God. I can build with one hand and wage war with the other. Come on somebody. I can build a very nice house and still give a lot in the ministry for the gospel. I can drive a very nice Mercedes and still give to the poor in the name of Jesus. I can raise dead bodies and still preach the gospel. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Somebody say amen. Say amen. Say amen. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. Give me the message version. The Bible says God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything. Woo! And everything, hallelujah. And he says more than just ready to do what needs to be done. Somebody said they're talking about me. Slap somebody and tell them they're talking about me. God is ready. Hallelujah. It's possible. Tell somebody it's possible. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways on your life that you are ready for anything and everything. Does the church need anything? Give them. Poor guys come to you and they need money. You give them. The sick come to you. You heal them. God can pour something on your life that you're able to do all things and still have more and ready to do what needs to be done. Whatever needs to be done. God is raising a generation of people. You know, one time I was reading Isaiah and I was meditating on what Isaiah meant when he said, Father, who shall believe our report? I have this feeling we are entering a season and time <laughs> where the things that are about to happen in your life, people are going to doubt, yet it's happening. You see, there was a time where people doubted because stuff wasn't happening in your life and you needed to prove your God. But a time is going to come where too much is happening in your life that men are not believing what is happening on your life. And I'm prophesying upon your life. You're entering a season where the economy can't explain you. You're entering a season where the government can't explain you. You're entering a season where your education status cannot explain you. You're entering a season where your ministry cannot explain you. You're entering a season of signs, miracles, and wonders. I mean, people are not going to be able to explain you. And yes, you'll be deep. And yes, very anointed. Oh, tell somebody I feel it. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's in the inside of my spirit. It's working in me. Hallelujah. Somebody say, it's working in me. I feel it in my spirit. Stop thinking that God is basing on your pocket change to build a destiny. He's not basing on your language. He doesn't even care about your accent. He doesn't even know your education status. All he wants to know, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord. They are searching all over the earth. Not for a rich man, but for who? Hallelujah. That's why he tells you, guard it. For out of it flow the what? 
the issues of life. Got it for out of it. Flow the issues of life. God is looking for the state of your heart. See, this is what I learned about God. People are just not ready for God. But God is ready for people. God is ready to move you. You're just not ready to receive. Are you hearing me? But you're not being ready to receive. Sometimes you incline to the legalistic understanding of it. And you think there is something God requires from you to bless you. Or to make God ready. Listen, God is already more ready to bless you than you're ready to receive. Somebody say amen. amen. But a time has to come where a man has to position himself to say. You see, the only problem is some of you don't know how to be ready. You don't know how to be ready for the things of the spirit. You don't know how to be ready for the things of the spirit. You don't know how to prepare your spirits for the things of God. Some of you, God wants to use you in ways and forms like you can never imagine. But you don't know how to be ready for God. Some of you, God wants to anoint you so mightily. Not as though you are not anointed, but as though to manifest what is already placed in the inside of you. God wants to do things in your spirit like eye has not seen. He has not had, has not entered the hearts of men. But your spirit is not yet prepared. Somebody say amen. It's all readiness of spirit. It's how you prepare your spirit. It's how you make up to be ready. Let me show you how. Romans chapter 4. Verses 18. Give me the message version. Romans chapter 4 verses 18. Now we're going deeper. The Bible says. When everything was hopeless. Abraham what? Believed anyway. Deciding to leave. Not on the basis of what he saw. He didn't look at his bank account. He didn't look at his skin color. He didn't look at who he was connected to. He didn't look at how much he could speak. How articulate he was. He didn't look at his merit or education level. No. The Bible says he decided not to live on the basis of what he saw. The Bible says he did not lie on the basis of what he saw he could not do. You see, some of you look so much of what you can do. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't think I'm ready to do this. I can't do this. It's worth millions of dollars. <laughs> I can't do that. It takes a lot of faith to raise a dead man. I, you see, sometimes all you need is faith. Faith is only belief. It ain't have any more explanations. It's only belief. It ain't mean that you're not going to fear in your spirit. No. Some of you might have fear in your spirit. But there's something that still tells you God is still true. If he said it, he's still true. I don't care what I'm feeling in my spirit. He's still true. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. One time I was called in a hospital. And I found a woman. And they told me both of her kidneys are dead. Both kidneys are dead. She did dialysis for many years. She did everything she could until even dialysis could not help her anymore. So she lies in hospital dying. And somebody calls me up and tells me, Apostle, there is this woman who is dying. She was a very poor lady. She used to uh, work in a legal market somewhere around Naria. And I remember very well I went into this hospital room. And I find this woman 
Believe me. Believe me. The sight of that woman could tell you she's dying any second. Not any minute. Not any hour. She was dying any second. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know stretching your hands on somebody with both kidneys dead? And everything you see outside tells you you can't get this out. But everything inside you is telling you. Something inside you. It, the problem with it, it can't tell you how. It doesn't tell you how. It just tells you you're going to do it. Somebody say amen. Say amen again. And I remember. I just. Do you know closing your eyes? Because you don't want to look at the person anymore. They look too sick to look at them. And I just laid my hands. But I've realized as a man of the spirit. 98% of the times when something works, you feel it. Have you ever prayed for something? And inside you, some rest comes in there. Something. It's like rest. Something inside you tells you it's okay. There's still proof outside that the person is dying or the thing is sinking. But inside you, something is telling you it is fixed. That's why I tell people when you pray, pray until you feel it. If you want to start registering results in faith, and I want you to remember this. Position your spirit, either in prayer or speaking the word. Do whatever you can do. To a point where the inward witness of rest outshines your fear of the things outside. I'm not saying that the fear won't stay. I'm not saying that the situations won't stay. I'm not saying that the circumstances won't stay. Yes, they will stay. They can't stay. But only for a moment. You have to position your spirit and stir it to a place where you get to a level where the peace and rest within overrides the fears outside. When you feel it in your spirit that you're more rested than the anxiety outside, just know you got it. And you'll always get it. I didn't have any outward witness in my spirit that this woman was going to walk out of the bed. But there's something inside me that had told me she's got a healing. I just knew it. I just knew it. After one week she was discharged. Both kidneys working. <laughs> Even if you don't clap. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. After one week, they discharged out of Mulago Hospital. They told her, we don't know what happened to you. Nothing scientifically can explain your kidneys. I wish they called me to explain to them <laughs> that there is a guy called Jesus. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Tell somebody I'm getting ready. For something so big. Now let's go back to our art in Romans. The Bible says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. And that's what God wants you to do. You know, I'm a soccer lover. Sometime back, I was watching this guy called Moreno. He calls himself the special one. You know the guy. And 
Some guy one time asked him, you always call yourself the special one. You've had many titles on your head. You've won Champions Leagues. You've won uh, regional cups in the nations where you've been. You've been a success. You always shake things up. How do you do it? And Moreno said in his arrogant talk, he says, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes we just 10 or 5 minutes to the end of the game and the two goals up. But something in me keeps telling me you're going to make it. Something just keeps telling me you're going to make it. You see, they score you and sometimes you lose the piece and you don't know what to do. But sometimes something tells you you can do it. Something's <laughs> Tell somebody I can do all things. I say that is the attitude. Stuff is failing, but you still tell yourself, no, I think there's a way through. Things are not working the way they're supposed to do, but you still tell yourself, no, I will make it. It's three minutes to the end of the game, but you still tell yourself, there's still a way. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. Now, if men of this world can believe that, how much more you... I say, this guy made something. There's a light that shined on his spirit. Even though he's not born again, something must have shined on his spirit. A man can't just believe to the end. But that's what the Bible says. We are not of they that draw back to perdition. In that, drawing back to perdition is a nature. Hey, tell your neighbor, for us we don't give up. Even if stuff looks like everything has failed. Hey, you recollect yourself again. And get up. Check somebody and tell him you don't give up. It's not in your nature. Hey. The Bible says we are not of them that draw back to perdition. Give me the amplified of that. He says, but we are not. But our way is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery, perdition, and are utterly destroyed. Do you see what makes you destroyed? You draw back. You used to believe God. And then something happened and then you gave up and you said, no, I think this is not going to work. Why? Because they chucked you. I think I'm never going to get married. Why? Because one guy chucked you. One guy. One. One. One like this. Two. Four. Four guys, they said no. Five, only five. Twenty, only twenty. Somebody makes applications at work for a job interview, and then they do one interview, they fail. Two interviews, they fail. Three interviews, they fail. Then they say, God, if this doesn't work this time, ah, I'm not coming back to the presence. And then even that time it didn't work, and they say, ah, I think God doesn't love me. I think God didn't care for me. It would have worked. I have given up on salvation. <laughs> You're not born again. You have not yet understood what it means to be born again. Being born again means, are you hearing me? Even if you're on the verge of death and the doctor is saying you have two minutes to go. You keep on saying I don't draw back to perdition. 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 They reject you, you apply again. They reject you, you apply again. They reject you, you pursue again. They reject you, you pursue harder. 
The devil can't keep up. I say the devil can't keep up. <laughs> Laugh at the devil. He thought he had you. Laugh at the devil. Because you're going through stuff, it doesn't mean that God is not on your side. No, a great and effectual door has been opened unto me. But behold, there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. Sometimes all those things that are opposing you are simply telling you there's something on you. There's something on you. It takes a man to throw a stone on a tree without a fruit. All of those attacks you've gone through as an individual, God is still telling you there is something on your life. If there was nothing on you, the devil had no business with you. But the reason why you're going through what you're going through, I don't care whether the doctor said you have stage 4 cancer. That's the very reason why they said you have stage 4 cancer. There is something on your life. And you can choose to draw back to perdition and you're destroyed all believe to the saving of your soul. We don't give up because we've gone through much. He says they are destroyed. But we are of those who believe, who cleave to and trust in and rely on God through Jesus Christ the Messiah. And by faith preserve the soul. Tell your neighbor that's me they're talking about right there. I believe until the end. You see, Smith what said he would rather die believing than live doubting. I changed it. You can't die in faith. <laughs> because they just live by faith. So I would rather live believing than die doubting. <laughs> you have to get to a level where even if you died and they put you in the coffin and your body is dead, you can still be in the coffin and say, no, I'm not. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That is called faith. Praise the Lord. You remember what I was reading for in Corinthians? The next verse says, let me show you something. And when Sam is put it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. He says, he's right living, right giving ways. They never run out. They never wear out. And so are you. Tell somebody I don't run out. I never wear out. I believe to the end. Huh. Hallelujah. 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 Some of you look at the situations you're going through. Then you say, I, I, I think I'm giving up. Let me tell you why you failed. You failed because it pushed you so hard until you believed it. That's it. That's it. You pushed it so hard until you started thinking of writing a wheel. That's why you died. Now I'm preaching to people who died before their time. Hallelujah. You believed it. It pushed you to a point. See, the devil is a liar. Tell somebody the devil is a liar. That's why the Bible says, put you on the armor of God that you might be able to withstand the tricks, the wiles of the enemy. He'll trick you and trick you with every sign until you can believe. That's the trick. Refuse to believe. Refuse to believe. Get to a point where everything looks like it is hopeless. <laughs> like Abraham. 
The Bible says everything seemed what? Hopeless. Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he could not do, but on what God said he would do. And so, that's why, because he knows the sufficiency of God. And the Bible says, and so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Why? Because you stick on not considering what you cannot do, but you always look at me and what I can do. Oh! And what does the next verse say? Abraham didn't focus on his own what? And say, it's hopeless. You see, how do you know you're focusing on something? You start speaking it. That's how you know that a man is focusing on his problems. I can't get this job. I don't think I'll ever get married. I don't think I'll ever build a ministry. I don't think I'll ever go above this. I don't think this disease is going to heal. See, when you believe something, you start speaking it. That's the day you break the hedge of your life. You remember Job? When Satan was talking about Job, he said, How can he not worship you, seeing that there is a hedge around him and everything of his? God protects us to the last detail of everything we own. Even your little pen that you left in your room. God knows it's under your possession and it has a particular hedge around it. Somebody say amen. He says, has not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side and has blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Hallelujah. And the next verse says, but put forth your what? Hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you. And God said, listen, next verse. And God said, Satan, behold, all that he has is in thine power. God didn't remove the hedge. He just told Satan a revelation. Job had a hedge for so long that when it broke off, he didn't know. The Bible says, it says, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. You remember that scripture? He says, for us, not what? Silence. Trouble befell me. Why? Because I was not silent. He says, neither had I rest. I was not in safety. And I had not rest. And neither was I quiet. He was always, give me the amplified of that. I love the way the amplified says it. It says it present continue. He says, I was not, or oh, I'm not at ease. Have, no had I, or oh, have I rest. No as I, or oh, am I quiet. Yet trouble came and still comes upon me. Why does trouble come upon you? Because you don't rest. You're not at ease. You're diseased. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not at ease. This ease. You don't have rest in your spirit. People who are rested in spirit, I'm not going to say cannot. They don't fall sick. Because we which have believed have entered into rest. Not we which are presently continuously believing. No. Have believed. We've settled it in our hearts. Healing was done years ago. By his stripes, ye were not your healed. No. Ye were healed. Somebody say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. So Job broke a hedge because you see, he that breaketh a hedge, the serpent shall bite. God could not break a hedge off a man he has given it. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He didn't give to take away. That was Job's revelation. Praise God. Praise God. His gifts are without what? Repentance. The gift of God. He does not withhold back. Give me the amplified of that. For God's gifts, listen, and his call are? What is the meaning of irrevocable? 
What's the meaning of irrevocable? He never withdraws them once they are given. And he does not change his mind about to those whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. God didn't remove the hedge of Job. He just told Satan, the guy removed it long ago. He talks too much. He's not at ease. He's not rested. He already broke it off. But the devil got so used of the guy having it that sometimes he didn't check in. Tell your neighbor, don't break it off yourself. You can only die when you say you're... See, and those are the things. You get out of ease, right? You start talking negativity. Stuff starts to come out of your mouth. Oh, sometimes you don't say it with your mouth. You say it in your heart. Some of you talk with your heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then you're not at rest. You're anxious every time. You're waiting. Oh my God, they might fire me anytime. Ah, they'll fire you. I found a young lady who came in my office one time and she told me, Apostle, I'm 41 and I'm not married. I'm becoming restless. I'm getting old. I asked her, <laughs> you're old. It's in your head, you're old. You've believed you're old. Our grandfathers lived for 900 years and you... <laughs> you believe you're old. You plan to live up to 70. You see, she has already positioned herself at what time she's going to die. She thinks that she's running out of time to give birth. Oh. What of your mother, Sarah? At what age did she give birth? Come on, somebody. Am I talking to somebody? Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's go back to Abraham and I finish. So Abraham, the Bible tells you, he did not consider, oh, I'm impotent. He didn't say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. That's how you prepare yourself. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously, skeptical questions. So um, how are you going to do that? Okay, so how is it going to come? Okay, how? Okay, when? Through who? No. He... <laughs> Are you hearing me? Listen, the Bible says he plunged into the process. Into the promise. He plunged into the promise. And the Bible says, and he came up strong. And what does the next line say? Ready for God. That's how a man prepares. That's how a man prepares. You first shut your eyes to everything that tells you it's not possible. You stop asking skeptical questions. You stop looking at the circumstance you're going through. All the situations that it... You just plunge in. If God told me, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's it. Job 36 verse 7. Give me the message version. The Bible says, He never takes his eyes <laughs> off the what? of the righteous. He honors them lavishly and promotes them endlessly. I don't know what these scriptures do to you. I'm lavishly loved and I'm promoted endlessly. I am better today than I was yesterday. And definitely I'm going to be better next year than I was this year. I'm going to be better next month than I was last month. I am walking in a deeper glory next week than I have walked. 
That's the believer. That's the man ready for God. But there's a person who say, this is how they plan. Let me first do this. And then after doing this, I'm going to do that. And then after doing that, I'm going to do this. And then after doing this, I'm going to do that. Then you ask them, why are you planning that way? And they tell you, you see, I don't have sufficiency to do all of them at the same time. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody? Listen. You can do all things. At the time you want to do it. But this is preposterous. You mean we don't plan? I said we plan. But first understand the plans that he has for you. Understand what the Bible says before you plan for yourself. Some of you have planned yourself a bit too short and too low for heaven to intervene in your situation. God looks at a revivalist and you're believing God for 10 members. He simply can't fit in your vision. He's too big to fit in your vision. Tell somebody dream again. Rob what was small and start dreaming big again. This is why I shared what I want to share. We are entering a time and period where God is raising people who know who they are. They simply know who they are. They simply know who they are. And you're going to find a guy and he'll tell you, I'm constructing a multi-million dollar building for orphans. And at the same time, I'm building a multi-million dollar hospital for sick people. And at the same time, I'm building a multi-million dollar business. And at the same time, I'm building a multi-million by dollar ministry. And I'm doing all of them at the same time. And I have the money to do all of them at the same time. Because I can do all things by Christ, which strengthens me. I'm warring in one hand and I have building in the other hand. And I'm doing it so perfectly. Rested. Oh, I wish you enter into this thing. I wish you plunge into it. Without considering what you're going through. A young girl came to my office this week. And asked me a question. And she asked me. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? And she started crying. And I told her. I fix my eyes on God. Then she cried more. And I asked her why are you crying? She told me my mom can't pay tuition. Why is it that I cannot get fees? And I told her, because you put your eyes on your mother. <laughs> you put your eyes on your mother. You put your eyes on your mother. That's why. You put your eyes on your economy. That's why. You put your eyes on your boss. Some of you think you're as rich as they pay you. Oh. Oh. Some of you, you think you're as rich as the third world country you belong to. How then will you lend to it? Come on somebody. You're blaming people for failing because your eyes have not opened to the guy who really blesses. Your eyes and spirit and faith has not raised to God. Every time you're blaming, oh, I should have been successful, but my uncle, I should have built this, but my auntie, somebody stood in my way. I would have built a great ministry, but that young man, he stole this. I would have done this, but because your eyes shifted from God and they went on people, if you trust the arm of flesh, it will surely fail you. Surely fail you. Surely fail you. I don't look to any man to make me a success in this world. 
No, looking unto Jesus. Somebody say, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, which is the author and the finisher of your faith. He that began a good work in you, he shall see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. I'm promoted daily. Tell somebody I'm promoted daily. You can't feed on this stuff and stay no more. You can't. You can't. Let me share one thing and finish. Any man who has seen God will attest to this. Not who assumes to see God. But any man who has seen God will bear this witness. The spirit realm Eternity, the eternal realm of the spirit, where God resides. It does not respond to a man's spirit, a regenerated spirit, from the perspective of its lack. God is not conscious that you lack. You're the one who is conscious. If you ask God, why do I lack? He'll tell you, when did you lack? How come you're lacking? God doesn't look at you as a lacking person. Because he gave you all things. He says whether it's Apollos, Revelation, or Paul, whether things present or things to come, whether life or death. You know, as you can kill, you can create. He says all things are yours. When you come to God and tell him, Father, I need, he doesn't understand the spirit that needs. He can understand the flesh that needs. He can understand the soul that needs. But he doesn't understand the spirit that needs. Because he has given you everything that you need. So when you go to prayer, and let me teach you the right way to pray. Don't go to God with that mentality of lack. Go to God understanding what exactly he has done for you and how he sees you. You start to see results like never before. Some of you, you see, when the Bible says if you live in the flesh, you'll surely die. Do you know why many things in your life are dying? You approach God in the flesh. You look at the inability of your flesh and then you go to God in the prayer of the inability of your flesh. You don't go to God and say, God, I'm poor. Make me rich. You're never going to be rich. Because you're confusing God. You're asking him for what he already gave you. And that is unbelief. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. The original rendering says the fool says no to God in his heart. That means you reject the oracles of the spirit. You reject truth and choose to go on delusions and the lies of this world. You reason out the gospel and refuse to believe God. The fool says in his heart there is no God. The original rendering is the fool has said no to God in his heart. You refuse to believe God. You refuse to understand who you are and take him for who you are. That's why you're struggling. If God said you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, approach the realm of eternity as one which has. Speak as one which has. Pray as one which has. No, your prayer should sound like this. For example, if you're believing God for $5 million, this is how you go to God. You go in the presence like this. 
Why is he dancing? Why is he dancing? Father, I thank you because you have given me the five million dollars that I needed you. I think it is more than that. Because you have given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. And you have told me to stretch forth my tents. And you have told me not to spare. Because you God shall supply. You have supplied. You have given me everything that I need. You have given me everything that I need. Oh hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mmm. Mmm. If you're believing God for marriage and you're a woman, enter eternity like one who is on your wedding day. Thank you, Lord. 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 My cup runneth over. My paths are dropping with greatness. The lines are falling unto me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. Singing psalms and hymns and songs and spiritual songs to God. Making melody in your heart with thanksgiving. Making your requests up. That's how we pray. Some of you just come to God like... Father, I'm unworthy. I don't have anything. I've come to you as poor as I am. Those are unbelievers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, learn to rehearse truth in the eternal places. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Learn to rehearse truth in the eternal places. It is true. Doors are open to you. Enemies will come. Adversaries will come. The attacks that are coming on you is because of the doors open to you. Because there's a man who's looking at the adversaries and there's a man who's counting how many doors are open. Everything that you go through, every attack on your life signifies a door open on you. That's why in Philippians he says, in no way afraid of our adversaries. In nothing terrified. In nothing terrified of our adversaries. In nothing. In other words, you don't fear anything from your haters. Why? Because God opened the door before they came to attack. And it's too late to curse who God has blessed. <laughs> Laugh at the devil. I said it is too late for you to die. It is too late for you to be poor. It is too late for you not to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It is too late for you not to shake this up. It is too late. He says to them, your adversaries, is an evident token of perdition. In other words, when you don't fear them, it's the token, it's the seal. It's the proof that they must fail if you don't fear them. And he says, but to you of salvation and that of God. I mean, both your salvation and their failure. The Bible says it's a righteous thing for God to what? To trouble those who trouble you. Hallelujah. Tell somebody it is too late for me to fail.
I say, tell somebody again, it is too late for me to fail. I cannot fail. See, those are the things that make me lose peace in my room. I mean, not bad peace. I mean, they make me dance. Are you hearing me? I cannot sit down. I, I think of those things and say, my God, you mean it's too late for me to fail? And I start dancing alone. Hallelujah. I start dancing alone. Why? Because I know what it does for God. I know what it does for God. I know what it means to God to see me dancing. It means I believe him. It means I believe him. It means I believe him. Hallelujah. You campaigned. Tell your neighbor we're going to praise God. For he is the help of our continents. That's why we praise God. That's why we praise God. There is nothing as beautiful as dancing through the storm. Dancing through your problems. Worshipping through your circumstances. And then you end up on the other side with no scratch on you. Yet you are dancing all the way. <laughs> Tell your neighbor I intend to dance till the end. Something is happening for me. I'm dancing into my next best deal. This message. Tell somebody this message. People are going to look for you. They're going to look for your phone numbers. They're going to look for your email addresses. They're going to look for your Facebook accounts. They're going to look for who knows you. They're going to pay every price to get to you. He says, kings shall come to your rising and gentiles shall come to your light. And you can do it. Tell your neighbor you can do it. Tell somebody I can do it. I am ready. Listen, when we are talking about the eternal life in Christ, we dance our way through to the top. We don't weep to the top. We dance to the top. We praise to the top. Start doing it, you're going to see your life change. Go through the worst situation and start dancing in the middle of it all. My Redeemer. Lifted me from the merry clay, Almighty, forever. I'll never be the same because you can need. They fired you from the everlasting. The doctor said you have cancer. Beyond the <laughs> You lead to what? going to dance into our next miracle that is how we win we don't win by crying we don't win by weeping we win by dancing listen 
as we are praising God, diseases are going to leave. As we are praising God, debts are going to be paid. As we are praising God, marriages are going to be restored. As we are praising God, you're going to increase. You're entering a grace where you're going to do multiple things at the same time. And you'll do all of them. That's a grace. Who has the final say? Jehovah has the final say. I say who has the final say? Jehovah turns your life around. Prophesy. He makes a way.
finances you're going to do many things at the same time whether it's ministry you're going to do many things at the same time and you're going to have sufficiency in all of those things that is a unique grace I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you start to receive it that you start to receive it that you start to receive it bow the Holy Ghost start to receive it the wind bloweth in the name of Jesus and it's going to separate you from average men. The time to be predictable has come to an end. I decree upon your life in the name of Jesus that you're not going to be predictable anymore. Holy Spirit, separate people. 
separate people the spirit of God is moving 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 from today you're going to stop doing ordinary things you're walking out of the league of people who do ordinary things you're entering a grace where you're going to start doing the extraordinary power my brother receive it woman of God receive it listen there are people here I just had the spirit say for some reason you come from a family where you have many things in common and God wants to separate you from the things that have been roaming around your family and wanting to create an atmosphere of familiarity you, you were looking like your unborn again siblings you are looking like your unborn again relatives but I want to speak by reason of the anointing God separates you You're not going to look like unborn again people anymore. God is putting a distinctive mark on your spirit. I sense promotions coming for a number of people here. But not ordinary promotions. Unordinary promotions. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Somebody's life must change. There's somebody here. I can see in the spirit. It's as if your hands have been tied. Your hands have not been able to do anything. Whether business or anything. In fact, everything you touch almost literally dies but right now in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit deliver such a one there it is there it is there it is there it is upon your life that you're going to do more from today and I mean more 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 you're going to build with one hand and have weapon on the other you will fight and win and you'll build and finish on time in the name of Jesus Christ. You're going to pursue education and excel. And at your workplace you'll be the best. You can do all things by Christ which strengthens you. You're going to run for office and win. And on the other side again be successful in your personal businesses. You're going to win with your children and win with your wife or husband. You're going to win with your family and win with your friends. 
and all of them at the same time because God gives you strength battle on the other building on the other and you'll win on both give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise from today you're not considering your sufficiency that has come to an end it has come to an end hallelujah somebody's life has changed I feel it I feel it I feel it come on clap for Jesus clap for Jesus clap for Jesus Clap for Jesus. Let them watch you. Let them watch you. Turn your immediate neighbor and tell them, watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Can I prophesy on somebody? You're too many. I'm sorry. I'm not going to call everyone. But the Holy Spirit knows how to confirm these things. Let me show you what I just saw. There are people here who have lost many years. Eh? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Literally, you can look back all your ten years and you've done not much. But I just saw a vision of the grace that has fallen on somebody tonight. And in a few months, people are going to ask what happened to that woman? What happened to that man? How come in months she, he is doing things that take people 40 years to do. The Spirit has a way of confirming prophecy. Holy Ghost! I have seen people in a few months from now you're going to do things There's somebody around there. Receive it. You're going to do things in a few months. Forget the years you've lost. This is not going to compare on what is visiting you. God says forget the former things. Holy Spirit confirm it. Confirm it more. I see more. And I see more. Confirm it more. Power. 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 Confirm it more, Holy Ghost. Power. 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 Wherever you are, even if you're in the back. Power. Something is happening here. Father, we receive it. 
Listen, there are ministers here. Your ministry is literally going to turn around. I know who I'm talking to. Holy Ghost. That person who has seen what I've said. Let them be arrested for it. Power the Holy Ghost. They are going to forget the way you've been ministering. The people who thought they knew you, they are going to forget you. Your manner of ministry is changing from today. Grace comes upon your life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord the mighty help of praise. before we get out of here if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ I want you to come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior can you put up your hand wherever you want you said today I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior put up wow bring them here bring them here bring them here your name is Yahweh bring them here your name is Yahweh don't move until we get people saved. Come on. Encourage your immediate neighbor. Are they born again? If they are not, just send them here. after me. Say Lord Jesus today I choose to believe that you're the true son of God who died and rose again for my sins. Tell him tonight I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Tonight I'm born again in Jesus' name. Somebody clap for Jesus. As you're walking back, go saying to yourself, I'm building with one hand, I have a weapon on the other. I'm building with one hand, I have a weapon on the other. I'll finish quickly the building and I'll kill and win the battle. Come on, somebody. you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. <laughs>